You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the MLB Extras Blue Jays podcast. We are in Las Vegas, the 2018 winter meetings. Day three as we're inching towards the end of this thing. Hanging in there. It's a big resort. There's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, you don't necessarily see the front office people. How's your week been going? Yeah, it's a bit of a different week than some of the other places we've been where it's a lot more contained. This one definitely seems to be a lot more spread out. But it's been an interesting week for the Blue Jays, for sure, even though yeah. they weren't expected to be one of the more active teams and that it's playing out that way. Uh, there's still been some interesting storylines, which is kind of welcome at this time of year, for sure. Yeah, let's get into the big one, and that is that Troy Tulowitzki is no longer a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. On the podcast last week, we talked about Ross Atkins' comments heading into the winter meetings and not kind of the comments you expect to hear about a guy talking about a player that he thinks will be on his roster, and that turns out that's the deal. He, so he met, maybe we talk about how this played out. He met with Tulo and his agent, right? Apparently they didn't hear what they wanted to hear, or maybe the plan all along was that this was going to be the end. Yeah, I, I think it really was. Yeah. And when we talked last week, you know, one of the things you said was, you know, Atkins you know, makes these comments because they're calculated. You know, he's been yeah. answering these questions one way for 18 months. It was very noticeable. Uh, that it suddenly turned last week. And so uh, I was a little surprised it happened this week and it happened this fast. But you immediately started thinking last week, okay, Troy Tulowitzki on this opening day roster, probably not going to happen. And the only way that he was not going to be on the roster is if, if they released him. I mean, with $38 million remaining in his contract over two years, he wasn't a tradable asset. Uh, and I think ultimately Atkins and the rest of his front office staff just looked at, at this and, and basically assumed that he was not going to be able to regain any of that trade value in the near term. Uh, and so they decided to cut their losses at this point. And, and they're really trying to pave the way for some of their younger players, Lourdes Griel Jr. in particular. And so in the end, they, they decided to pay the $38 million to get rid of the headache, to get rid of the, the question marks kind of going into spring, the distraction where we'd be asking about Troy Tulowitzki all the time and, and just paving the way for Guriel. So it's, it was an expensive move, but mm-hmm. uh, and one that happened a little quicker than I thought it would, but still not that surprising. Feels like the end of an era, the little run the Blue Jays had and the nice postseason run getting to the playoffs a couple of times. And they had brought in David Price and, and Russ Martin and these guys. And this feels like, all right, the book is closed on that. Now it's time to look to the next step. Yeah, it really does. There's this one infamous Sports Illustrated cover that kind of blew up in Canada when it was the New Jays. And, you know, John Gibbons was in the middle and he had David Price on one arm. And uh, the only guy left in that entire crew is, is Russell Martin. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably not going to be the case for much longer either. So, I mean, this team really has turned the page. It doesn't look anything like it did a couple of years ago. I mean, Kevin Pillar is one of, is one of the longest tenured players and he's still uh, an arbitration guy. So it's not like Kevin Pillar is not a seasoned veteran necessarily, but on this Blue Jays team, he kind of is along with Justin Happ. But uh, those changes are going to continue. I mean, the facelift has has started about 12 months ago. It's going to continue into next year um, as a lot of these younger players that they've been talking about now for the last 24 months are starting to make their way to the big leagues. If they want to keep doing this, keep getting younger, one way they could do it is by trading a starter. We've heard talk of Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman. Any change on that front? Not really, other than the sense that a lot of the talk is, has 
has continued. I mean, I mean, Atkins has been surprisingly candid on that topic as well, uh, and has basically said that uh, the Jays are, are willing, more than willing, to deal um, either guy if if the price is right. Uh, now, I think the discrepancy, of course, here is going to be, uh, you know, fair value. I mean, both guys, Sanchez obviously with the injuries, uh, Stroman with the blister, but also just a really down year last year. Uh, I mean, if he was coming off a strong season, you'd be really looking for the type of return similar to what maybe the Mariners got for James Paxton with two years of control left. I mean, that's the type of player that, that Mark, pitcher Marcus Stroman can be, and that's the type of return I think the Blue Jays would want. Now, the question is, with all the guys that, that are still out there on the market and, and some like a pretty deep free agent, even though it, it lacks some of the big names, it's got Keiko, but besides that, right. um, you know, there's still a lot of options out there. I think the Jays on, on Stroman and Sanchez is something that's really going to have to wait. If there's if there's a few weeks from now, teams, uh, some team out there is desperate for a frontline starter, maybe they ante up. I still have a hard time believe it's, believing it's going to happen now as opposed to maybe midsummer next year. Um, but those guys are on the trading block, and they're going to stay on the trading block because with two years of control left, there's no signs of any extensions coming, uh, and they simply just don't match up with uh, the next wave of talent that the Blue Jays have coming. Right. Jay Happ? Not one of those players anymore that's available as he signs with the Yankees. The Yankees decide to go three years with Hap, which kind of put them over the top, I think. The Blue Jays were in a little bit, kind of on all those type of guys. Yeah, they were. And, and I think Hap might have been the one exception that they were willing to, to maybe dish out a little bit more money and, and, and bring in a more proven guy. Uh, now that they didn't get him, I don't expect them to go after someone who's in a similar ilk. Uh, but I think the fact that um, you know they had such familiarity with Hap. Yeah. Um, and Atkins is a, was a big Jay Hap fan. He really liked what he brought to the pitching staff in terms of being a bit of a leader there as well and someone who's being, uh, who consistently can, can eat up some innings as well. And just the comfort level, knowing what kind of guy he was, knowing what he's meant to that uh, clubhouse over the last couple of years. I think the Blue Jays were willing to stretch themselves a little bit further than, than they might have otherwise done with some of these other guys. So there's genuine interest there. At the same time, if you're Jay Hap, you're looking at that scenario, you've only got a probably a few years left of your career. You probably don't want to spend it on the rebuilding Blue Jays as much as he enjoyed his time in Toronto, and, and that's why I thought the Yankees were the favorite all along. I think it, it says a lot about Jay Happ that the, you look at the teams that were interested in him, the Blue Jays where he played, the Yankees where he finished the season, and the Phillies where he came up. All the teams that had relationships with him wanted him back. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. it, it kind of says this is a guy that, that just fits with a lot of teams and, and is a good guy to have around in the clubhouse. 100%. If yeah. you've got a problem with J-Hap, it's, it's you who has the problem. I mean, <laughs> every, everybody loves the guy. So beyond the pitching, what else is is there to do here? I know they're going to the youth and Lourdes Goriel, as you mentioned, but what's left this winter? Well, they definitely need to at least one starter, probably two. And then the other thing they really need to do is, is solidify the bullpen. Yeah. Um, and I think all these moves are going to be patient. I mean, Atkins has said time and time again, if the season started tomorrow, he'd actually be okay with it. Um, because really, it's it's not as much about the 25-man roster uh, this winter as it normally is. It's, it's really more about the 40-man roster and the guys that are in AA and AAA. And so um, they're being very careful not to block any of those guys. They're not going to lock anyone into a long-term deal. At the same time, just like any team, they're going to be open. If there's a certain guys with years of control, they're going to obviously listen and, and, and they're monitoring the market for a lot of those free agents. But I really think that you're going to see this uh, play out probably a lot more in like January, similar to what they did in the past when they signed Jaime Garcia, Tyler Clipper, guys like that. Um, I think if there are pitchers looking for deals in January on that one-year deal or so where they've got to reestablish some value, um, I think it makes sense for the, and the Jays probably think it makes sense to, to pull those type of deals. And, and those are the type of players that you can then move probably again at the 
deadline and continue this youth movement. I think that's kind of been the focus right now. So for the winter meetings, it's more of laying the ground and just kind of a wait and yeah. see and see where things end up in a couple weeks. Speaking of the 40-man roster, the Rule 5 draft comes up on Thursday. For people that don't know exactly what that is, um, at a certain point in their professional careers, players have to be put on the 40-man roster or they're available for the Rule 5 draft. The team can take a guy from another team's minor league system. They have to put him on the major league roster for the entire year. So that's a, that's a quick synopsis. But anyway, the Blue Jays not expected to be active as far as taking players. But there's some danger there they could lose a player or two, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. They haven't lost anyone since 2011. Uh, but this is, this is a year where it seems like almost a foregone conclusion that they probably will. They just had far too many guys who needed protection. Uh, Jordan Romano is a guy who actually uh, went through last year and didn't get claimed. Uh, he's available again this year. And I think he's going to generate an awful lot of interest. He's a guy who started in the minor leagues, but he's someone who he, who major league teams would look to stash in their bullpen for a year, similar to what the Blue Jays did with Joe Biagini a couple years ago when they got him in the Rule 5. Um, and there's a lefty, Travis Bregan, who who really could potentially fit immediately as a, as a lefty specialist out of the bullpen. Uh, and really, you could run down the list of five or six guys who really could be of interest to some teams out there. So I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that they lose somebody. He was talking with Ross Atkins earlier this week. He seemed to think that it was almost a guarantee that yeah. they were going to lose somebody and it really it's just the the cost of doing business when you when you've got so many of these young guys uh, at the same time he likes to say it's a good problem to have I mean you never want to lose somebody um, but if you're looking at a, at a crunch 40-man roster like that I, I, that is probably a good sign that you've got so many guys who, who you always want to have too many instead of too few. Speaking of those young guys, of course, the number one guy is Vlad Guerrero Jr. And this is going to be the year. Um, maybe he could have played in the big leagues two years ago. Who knows? Yeah. But, but it seems like 2019 is the time. I mean, the guy just every time you think, oh, maybe he's going to struggle a little bit, it just goes the other way and he dominates. Um, will he be up right away? Or are we going to have to wait a month? It's going to be, yeah, it's about, probably going to be about a month. I don't yeah. think he's going to, he's not going to break camp uh, with the team just because they want to secure that extra seventh year of control. But by the end of April, he's going to be up. And, and yeah, that's when it's going to get exciting because, I mean, typically when you're talking about these prospects, you've seen them fail a couple times on the way up. You almost like to see them fail to see how they deal with that adversity. Vladimir Guerrero is just so good, he, ha he hasn't even come across that. Like a, a two-day uh, hitless <laughs> is a slump for him. You know, you he know, went 0 for 4, oh no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like one guy, he goes 1 for 4, and people people kind of joke about it. Yeah. And that's just because his numbers are that good. And so we saw that consistently last year, whether it was you know in AA, we saw it in the fall when he went to the Arizona Fall League. There just hasn't been any kind of adversity for him. And so that's going to happen at the Major League level. It, it happens to everybody. It doesn't mean you can be a Hall of Famer. You're going to go through that adversity at the Major League level, and he's probably going to go through it relatively early on so with that to me in his rookie season how does he deal with some of those early lows so he might come out like a you know batted on, fi on fire but he he's he's going to be how he responds to that is really going to be interesting to me but those numbers are going to be eye-popping I mean yeah. he's, he, he looks like as, as surefire of a prospect as you can get and he's going to put up video game like numbers um, and for you know a fan base that uh, is trying to get excited about a rebuilding team I mean it doesn't get any more exciting than that guy right there I was going to say the attention has been so big on him already everyone knows who he is I think there's going to be a buzz from day one mm -hmm. when he makes the roster there up at Rogers Center all right that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Extras Blue Jays podcast from the 2018 winter meetings with Gregor Chisholm I'm Tim McMaster thanks for tuning in